And good morning. It is 9.35. Joining me now for our gardening segment with Master Gardeners Karen Wright and Barb Lampson, our good friend Barb. Good morning, Barb. Hey there, Karen. Lots to talk about today. I know you've been out like I have battling the beetles. I have. As a matter of fact, here's something new for me. I have beautiful raspberries, but before I can pick the raspberries, I have to pick the Japanese beetles. Now, if that isn't a <laughs> sad state of affairs, and the best way to do that is to have a, your bucket of soapy water and drop them in there, and they float to the top. They're but dead. let me tell you that sometimes they get so thick, and you know, I've you have got them more recently than than I have, so I have a whole bunch, and and I've got my beautiful hardy hibiscus, which normally this time is already blooming, right? But it isn't yet because we're you know, so and mine isn't oh, either. It's so a little behind, yes, but. I, I mean, I have been picking so many that I got tired of it. So I went online and I found, because I couldn't find any locally, some big, guard, they're called garden nets. And they're sure. big yellow with fine uh, holes so the, sure. the bugs can't get in there. So uh, my yard looks like a bunch of giant yellow ghosts because I've got one on my pole beans, another on the other pole beans, and I've got one over top of the hardy hibiscus. I've got one on top of the crab apple tree because that's the one they love the most. And... So it was funny because after I put it on, then all of a sudden they would like come back and then they'd land on top and there's like like they were looking for something. So then I could easily pick them off. But I did notice that the bees and other bugs can fly up under and they're still getting the flowers. But it has kind of kept some of the Japanese beetles up. But they have then gone to other things. I have found them in my echinacea. Uh, and I found them on my lilies, and I... I found them on weeds. Yeah. Okay, so I thought, okay, so now that is a good thing. And you know how when you have raspberries, and they're really thick, you can have weeds down at the bottom, even though in the spring and I go through and I weed everything out. Right. Well, with all this rain, I had some coming in there. Sure. And, and you know that it's a Japanese beetle because they skeletonize the leaf. They mm-hmm. just leave the veining of the leaf there. Right. But here's what I also found out. I found out that uh, they go, they're at the top, and it's just like a flag because you see this skeletonized leaf up there. <laughs> and if you go out, well, they recommend picking them in the morning or at, uh, later on in the day towards the evening. When it's be- cooler because it kind of slows them down a little. They do. Yeah. I mean, they're like anybody else. They but- had a hard day. You yeah. know they're gonna sl- they're gonna get ready for bed. So I never see them. Uh, my question is, where do they go at night? Okay, and so that's what you discovered. Here's what I discovered. So I thought, well, that is strange, uh, <laughs> because I was finding a uh, few beetles up at the top, and I just started examining leaf by leaf, and that's pretty easy to do on a raspberry plant because right. they're going straight up in the air. And I got down and I found a leaf, and the there was the Japanese beetles, and it was like. A parking lot. They had went side by side, just lined up. It was on a, a twi- on a branch or, or a nope. leaf on the leaf on the underside of the leaf. Oh. So they attach themselves to that. They stay shoulder to shoulder, oh. or body to body, and they're just covered on the bottom of that. So then, so were they sucking or were they just sleeping? Maybe or they were. They were. Yeah, they were taking dormant. a break. Yeah, they <laughs> they were. They were ready for the night. They were tucked in. So I took my my bucket and I held it up there and I plunged that leaf in the water there and then they woke up and they tried getting away from me but they didn't. Well they, it's the soap that, that keeps them in there. If you just put water they can sometimes swim out but the soap is just because of the me cells. It's a chemistry thing but yeah, yeah it kind of keeps well, them so sure, they can't sure. break the surface of the water. So yeah so that's what you got to have. Just just a drop of soap will work. Yes exactly and I just use dishwashing soap. Yeah. Put that in there and then you've got them all collected there. But when I first went out 
I went out with a bucket in one hand and a, a container for picking raspberries in the other hand. And then I thought, oh, how stupid. I can't do either now. I can't pick raspberries and I can't pick <laughs> bugs. So I, I, and it just seemed like um, you have to get as many of those bugs off as you can. And it's it's interesting that they don't just do one area. You know, they'll spread out. So they're at the beginning of a row, and then they're in the middle, and then maybe at the end. And some of them are lower. Some of them are higher. Yeah. So it's kind of a preference thing. I, I do know that the, I, I read somewhere that says, well, if you have damage, take off the leaves and then because yep. they leave the pheromone on. But I started to do that, and my plants would be completely bare, so I said, forget that. That's why I ended up getting these nets. And, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to prevent all of it, but I think at least it's going to help because I do want some. I love green beans, and I do want at least some, so sure. I'm protecting sure. these pole beans because they love those right. beans. Right. You know, uh, the, the thing I found with, and I've talked about this before, my nice, easy, elegance roses. roses. Mm-hmm. Well, they start on on the on the flower itself. The buds, or the flowers, yeah, they love and the flowers. And they, they go in as close to the uh, center of the bud of the flower as they can. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of lift up the petals, and, and there, there they, they are. are. So you have to have, like, not a bucket, which is clumsy, but maybe a plastic container. Ice cream like pail or something. Well, something even smaller oh, okay. than that. And then then bend the rose bush over and then tap it in there, and you get them all off. Do- do you know what they do to my heart of hibiscus? You know, when they get the buds, this is what happened because I want, you know, I've, I've been taking them to the fair and winning right. on those. But I will find them in the buds. So they go in those buds before they open. And they, so the, so when they open, they're full of holes. And I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. And that's because they go in there. I mean, it's probably like candy where it's all condensed, like the sweetness is all right, right there. And, you know, this easy elegance, this yellow that I have. Well, I have several I've colors, got that one too, yeah. yeah. You know, that's not a big, that's like a floribunda. It's a small flower. Mm-hmm. And on in some of these secondary flowers, there'll be like seven Japanese beetles. Mm-hmm. I mean, like really, why do you do that? Do you bring your whole family and your cousins, your relatives? Everybody goes in the same direction. I don't know. But um, there are, I read that there are 300 different plants that they will eat off from, but I think it's more than that. I think they eat off on anything. I just, uh, it, it's just unreal the way they're out there. And on the raspberries, they will actually eat leaves, but now I found some of them in strawberry or in raspberries too. Now, why would they be in the fruit itself? Tasty? I don't know. I think they're non-discriminating myself. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. So that's my whole thing about those, and um, I'm I'm just you know totally disgusted about that. But uh, I found something to cheer about. Well, lots of things to cheer about. You know, um, I've been listening to KTOE. They've been out at the Blue Earth County Fair. They've been doing live reports, uh, and it sounds really exciting. So I have to. Pay a visit out there tonight and see for myself. And we what's have master gardeners out at the Blue Earth County Fair we to do. answer questions for we you. Do. They, they're in one of the, I don't know if it's a commercial building or which one it is out there. Yes. And also, the master gardeners are in charge of keeping the, the, the big uh, barrels or containers of flowers out there. So, thanks to yes. the folks who volunteered to do that. And we, we buy those every year. We take some of our money and we buy those plants. And As a master gardener's, yes. yes. And hey, you know, I didn't enter this year because I just didn't have a chance. So, maybe this year Harvey will get the champion. Yeah, <laughs> he won't yeah. have any competition with I, us. And I have, um, you, you know, we were talking about nets before. And, you know, I use the nets on uh, all my coal crops up at the Good Council. You do. And um, so last night I had company, and I made this 
beautiful coleslaw, and it was from the cabbage up there. And I have another head that is just absolutely so perfect. But boy, is that ever nice to pick vegetables that don't have any of those little green worms on them. And that's that's the moth, the white moth that lays those. And it doesn't have worms and it doesn't have chemical on it. So you know it's going to be really healthy and good and nutritious. And, and what that, that is absolutely great. So the... Um, I have a new variety of cucumber that I'm raising, and I raise them on that uh, cattle fence fencing. You know, yeah. So you grow. I've been. This is the first year that I've grown my cucumbers vertically too, and it's working very, very well because instead of spreading all out of the ground when you don't have a lot of space, they go up in the air. They're easier to see. They're easier to pick. And I've just had some amazing cucumbers yeah. so far. They 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 don't get diseases easily either, simply because they got the good air circulation and uh, and or they the, don't get like uh, faded on the bottom a lot of times if they lay on the ground yeah. you have like a yellowish spot sure, or something so sure. they look perfect yeah it it's it's just a great way to do that we picked 20 pounds uh whoa yeah i mean it's it, they're really prolific and they're absolutely tasty they're crunchy what are they called do you know the variety um uh, i'll have to look it up it's it's an asian one though oh, okay i had ordered the seed from jungs and um uh, they were just one that was highly recommended buy them and so I don't normally do that I'll go with uh, maybe an all-american selection or, or an mm. old favorite or something like that but this is a new one they're absolutely the best slicing cucumber I've ever had and uh, now David who really not only does he like to garden but he likes to freeze things and preserve things and um, he has a recipe from our friends Judy and Harlan and they make a sliced cucumber that you freeze Really? Oh, it, without pr- uh, with, processing it, before? right? It goes and it goes well, into convenient. plastic containers, huh. and it's got vinegar and other things on it. You freeze it, and when you take it out, you you make them in small enough containers so you don't completely thaw them out, and they're kind of crystallized when you serve mm-hmm. them at the table. Gee, are they ever good? They're just so absolutely delicious. So if you've never done that, just go online. You can find a recipe for that. That is frozen cucumber slices that are made into pickles. Never never heard of that. That's awesome. Very, very tasty. We had a call from someone who wanted to know about finding 55-gallon drums for for, uh, using for water barrels. For rain barrels, yep. For rain barrels. And um, we have called around, and we have a couple of calls in, and when we get that information, we'll let you know. Well, Uh, one one place I do know you can go is Craigslist. I've seen them on Craigslist before. Well, people, maybe they, they've got some for whatever reason, like I've got from farmers before where they'll have. Sure. Um, also, it says maybe local food distribu- distributors and bottlers. It says this may be your best in uh, method of choice because sure. often they have 55-gallon drums and then they you are often food use. Of course, that's what you want because you don't want to be chemicals. getting stuff with a bunch right. of chemicals. Um, and it also says things uh, with pickles and olives. They've met rain barrel makers who got their barrels exclusively from Oliver Pickle distributors. I don't sure. know if there's any around here. And another place it says car washes. M- many local car wash places get soap in 55-gallon barrels and will sometimes give them away. Of course, you want to make sure to clean them very well. Mm-hmm. And it's also vineyards, which I hadn't thought of this one. It says for a fancier rain barrel, you can try calling local vineyards to find out if they have any used oak barrels for sale. And with a little effort, uh, you can have a great looking rain barrel at a fraction of the cost of a store bought one. So, I mean, there's uh, it says something about 
with a little shellac, the barrels can last forever. I'm not sure. How would the water stay in? I suppose if they hold wine, they, they would hold. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, water barrels were used just for that purpose because yeah. okay. the, they swell. The oh, wood sure, swells, sure. Okay, and that. that holds it in. And and then uh, when they dry out, then you have to fill them again. I bought a rain barrel uh, years and years and years ago at an auction sale, and then I didn't know what I was ever going to do with it. So I cut it in two, which I should never have done, oh. and made it into a planter. Not a good choice because oh, then really? it dries out more. Oh, okay. you know, so, it so does not I was sorry that I did that, but but I did. So well, there you go. Uh, uh, two smarts. Old so soon, smart so late. We we learn all sorts of things. And, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I was shopping for produce because mm-hmm. we were going to have some company over for supper last night, and I found a new melon. And there's nothing like, you know, that's the time when you introduce new food, isn't it? When you're going to yeah, have you company. Bring, yeah, you impress your company, right. Well, and you, and you want to you you have an excuse to buy something because you think, well, okay, maybe they'll like this too. And I found this wonderful melon. It's called Lemon Drop. It's produced, it's been hybridized in Arizona. It is a melon that is like a honeydew only. It tastes like lemons. Well, was it good? Delicious. And that was, we talked about it at the table, and everybody agreed it was delicious. Now, I'm reading, I, I did check it up because I was saying, well, how do you make a lemon-flavored melon? Yes. And it says it's a hybrid result of successive breeding efforts of marrying wild melons varieties with highly citric acid uh, high, highly citric acid content with sweet gallia melons. And I didn't know what a gallia melon was, so I had to look that up, too. Have you heard of that? I, I've never heard of that. Um, it must be something that uh, we don't eat in our culture. Well, it says a gallia melon is also known as a sarda in Southeast Asia. as a type of F1 hybrid melon originating from a cross between the green-fleshed melon cultivar of ha-ogren and the nettled, ra- netted rind melon called Creamka developed in Israel. And mm. so, so I mean, obviously, this lemon drop candy melon that you found has been the result of a lot of years oh, of crossing. Yes, absolutely. Think of all the plants that they had, or, and melons they had to destroy. That's the big or thing. Eat. Or eat. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which, uh, so that's new food coming to the store all the time. And what I love is when there's a, a red flag on the label and it says product of the USA. Ah, nice. So you know it's here and then if you look for the really small print, you find out who's producing it and where and, and where it's at. Well, that's you mentioned that product of the USA, um, you know, that that is a concern because that's how some of these these uh, harmful invasive insects and things have been yes. brought in. They've been brought in on produce and things like that or I mean they've even talked about how sometimes you'll find like spiders because sure. because obviously even if you clean them the best you can, you're going to get some Right. Residual, I don't know, eggs or bugs or whatever. And so sometimes that's how uh, things from invasive species get introduced. Kind of yeah. like the, the um, emerald ash borer. And even. you think of just crates that yeah. carry fruit right. and things where, where the eggs can get on and then come from another country. So but, farmer's yeah. market, I guess, to me is still, the if you can, that's uh, the best place to go. And did you see this, um, the uh, Mankato magazine today? It yes. had a whole nice feature on the Mankato market. It's just great. And also, it has a nice story about our friend Kim Sogard's garden. She invited the master gardeners there. She uh, is just a great gardener, raises hostas, and also raises 130 varieties of daylilies. Because her, her aunt in Ohio is one of the main breeders of many she, of the famous varieties of, of daylilies. Yes, yeah, she her aunt has raised many, many, many and um, uh, uh, just just a great story. 
And her aunt names them after family members. Yes. So there's one uh, for Kim, and it's called a Kimmer, K-I-M-M-E-R, Kimmer, because she was such a little twerp when she was small. She was the smallest. But well, she's still a tiny lady. Yeah. yeah, she is. And she said she plants them according to family members. So she's planted hers in by her, with her sisters, and she's got her mom and dad and the brothers and sisters of them planted together. All of these are named after uh, uh there are ones that are named after her family members. Not all of them are. Right. But uh, anyway, beautiful, beautiful article. You should get that. Uh, and the pictures do not do justice oh, to her garden. The f- first thing I said was, you know, this, I mean, you look at it and you say, well, those are pretty flowers. But it, when you see her garden in person, you will just be floored at yes. how beautiful it is. The pictures, I mean, the pictures don't show even a teeny wee, wee bit of how beautiful it is. So, right. and, and the variety uh, of uh, daylilies. And and if you love daylilies, and you always thought that there were just a few yellows and oranges, boy, there's multiple colors. There's uh, double ruffles. There's rebloomers now, too, which are really great. I have my first plant that I ordered that's a rebloomer, and I'm just going to wait and see if that really does as well the second time around as it does the first time around. Well, you know, a lot of time with rebloomers, they do really great the first time, and the second just isn't as, uh, it it isn't quite as um, robust, per Mm -hmm. se. I know you got a call on on the phone from Ameripride, so maybe you can, I'll just keep talking, Barb, you go. Barb's got a call. She was checking out where to find the 55 uh, gallon barrels, which we had one of our listeners ask, because Barb said she, a number of years ago, got hers from the Ameripride which is a laundry commercial laundry place. And so she was checking with them to see if they still provided that. Now I got mine. Let's see, where did we get mine from? From a farm, the, some, some farm um, giant barrels. And you have to make sure you clean them really good and don't use something if it's had chemicals. However, you know, if there's some soaps or things, you can really clean those out. But if it's uh, chemicals, I would stay away from that. Food grade, you want food grade uh, barrels if you're going to be using them. And and the, the state used to have a program where they would sell uh, nice rain barrels for a, a, a really decent cost, and then you could buy them. And I've gotten f- uh, two of mine from through that program, and I haven't seen it back this year. But if it is, we will certainly let you know. Barb's double-checking to see if we can get those. Otherwise, if you know of any place maybe where you can get a, a good barrel, would you text us? That would be awesome. 507-389-5678. That's 507 389 six seven eight and just talking about the Mankato magazine's article they have this it's called farm fresh a day in the life of the Mankato farmers market there's a lot of uh, nice pictures and uh, featuring some of the local farmers or gardeners in there and talking about the different varieties of vegetables and things you probably won't get in your local grocery store they even talk about uh, honey producers that's something it's nice to uh, support your your local farmers and uh, in here, they talk about just uh, the the uh, great things you can get. Everything from soaps, homemade soaps, to the vegetables, to you know beeswax candles and and things like that. So uh, that's something I recommend. Check out your local farmers market. There's in Mankato, North Mankato. I know Saint Peter has one. Most most communities have them. And so if you uh, have a chance, please go get it. I'm waiting for Barb to come back so we can chat a little more and see what she finds out. Uh, let's see, something else I thought was really interesting I just read about in the Star Tribune today, talking about keeping our waters clean. 
And you can do that through gardening, too. Uh, in Bloomington, and I believe Barb said Lake Crystal, they're doing this, too. They're creating artificial islands that use plants to filter nutrients. And it's really a, a cool thing. And they've got a picture in the Minnesota uh, section of the Star Tribune today showing this. It's it's just like this little floating island. And, and it was interesting. Uh, they it it uh, the, the roots of the plants kind of get rid of some of the pollutants in the water and they plant things like bee balm, milkweed and native grasses, which, of course, are really good for the pollinators. And they've got two oval platforms that they tie together that attract pollinators above the water as the plants roots below create this man-made wetland that can help improve the water quality. And I always wonder, well, how in the world do they make this? Well, according to this article, it says the base of the island is built of fibers from recycled plastic bottles injected with foam for buoyancy, and which was provided by Midwest Floating Island of St. Paul. So uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. Maybe we could think about more. And I know Barb had mentioned they're doing some of this floating island uh, in Lake in Crystal. Lake, Lake Crystal. Yeah. So yes, so, I am back. Okay, thanks. Yeah, what did you find out? Do can well, you okay, locally so, can we get uh, some barrels from? Uh, probably not the best idea. Oh, okay. It isn't that they don't have them, but they have someone that picks them up, and they have to be properly cleaned. Sure. And um, some of this stuff can't be put into your drain. Oh, okay. So so so, so this isn't good. So uh, uh, he said. My, uh, I think the best thing your listeners could do is to go online. And he said you might be surprised if, uh, to find uh, recycled or even new plastic that aren't already made into a rain barrel, and that might be cheaper for them to do. So, so there you've got it. Well, I know my my son Blake. We we had a a big. Uh, drum a uh, big barrel that we got and he you can buy these kits with the the uh, spigots and everything yes. and so he did that and for his 4-H project one year and did a demonstration on how to make a rain barrel so yes well you know uh we have um oh gosh how many do we have now we have six. Oh, i've got four so and so two of them uh we bought um already fitted out and they were intended for that the other four and and my husband who's very handy i have to say uh bought the the plumbing supplies that he would need and 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 the hookups that he would need for the downspouts and everything and it was very very reasonable he went to one of his favorite big box stores and got all that stuff locally so you can you can you can do it that way too if you know what you want if i would say one thing if you're going to put in a rain barrel get it up high enough all the ground off the ground so that you can hook a hose onto it and gravity will and, will feel, feed that water out and then. see that's one thing i don't mind are probably maybe a foot off off the ground and yep. they you know they've got enough pressure that I can fill a bucket but it wouldn't go very far right and which would be nicer because so I basically take the bucket fill the bucket and then I you know water everything yeah, yeah. so I carry it around more than I know you have the hose which I need to basically get it I use um paver bricks and to, yeah, yeah. to support the put yep. it up higher and I just need to get some more yeah get some more paver bricks I mean that's something that a person can do hey you know another thing that work we're working on in our yard is uh uh, enlarging our pond. We had a smaller pond and it had a preformed liner and uh, a tree root got on the bottom of it and poked a hole and that was the end of the pond. Right. So <laughs> through. Yeah. W- nobody wants to have uh, a lot of plastic that you have to dispose of, especially if it's a preformed liner like that. And so this time we bought uh, a membrane 
to uh, special pond. They're they're sold as pond memory. Uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And so my husband's been digging it out and shaping it. It's not going to be huge, but uh, it uh, I like the look of it already. And, but the weather hasn't agreed or <laughs> hasn't been very conducive to be digging out soil and hauling soil away. So, but uh, it's been good for filling the pond if you had it ready. Yeah, if we had it ready, that would be good. But we've had to. It's gotten wet, and you have to wait for it to dry out, and then you shape some more and measure some more. Well, so uh, I was just talking about those floating islands. You know how the, the yeah. The roots. And that is one thing I have found essentially with my pond because one of the things about ponds is they get filled with that long stringy green algae and that's a real common problem. Mm-hmm. But what we did then was essentially have our own floating um, island because we put the, that water lettuce in mm-hmm. and that has just massive root oh, systems. Yeah, right. I mean, so so literally you have one and they start to, to multiply. And since we have done that, I mean, I used to have to, to take a big scoop and scoop out, you know, buckets and buckets of that long stringy algae. I'm telling you this, so hopefully you won't have to do this. But since we did those water um, lilies, uh, not water lilies, the um, water hyacinth water water lettuce, those basically, those roots will filter things out. And I have not had any problem with the string algae. So, I mean, it's just... It's, if it does it for your little pond, you know, think yeah. about how that could help in your big ponds. Well, so there is a lot of information out there. You could get this online. You could go to the extension office and get this, and you'll find out the percent of green plants that you need along with the fish so that you will have healthy, uh, a healthy environment there. So uh, if you're thinking about putting in a pond, do your research. You know, it, it really does require, even with the small one, it required maintenance. I also had uh, water lilies in there, which I put into uh, plastic pots, and you anchor them in rock, and then I took them out every uh, fall, and you had to store them inside right. in so water. they don't freeze in well, water. Well, exactly. see, I always forgot, and they'd always freeze, so I'd have to get a new, <laughs> new oh, one yeah, every year. Right, yeah, so right. I kind of failed on that. Right, and then what happened was the my neighbor's tree got so big, it shaded out my pond, and then the water lily would no longer bloom. So then I took it out, and I raised it in a big container in a beautiful ceramic jardinier, and it did just really well in that, too. And then uh, we decided we would try wintering it over in the garage, and it froze. So now I'll have to get a new one. But if you have a yellow flag or a purple flag, that's an iris, they grow in water. You can also uh, anchor them in rocks and put them in, and they will do just fine there as well. So a pond is really fun. Um, fish, uh, one of the things we ha- problem we had, as soon as our fish got big enough, the raccoons would come in from the ravine, and they smell them, and they take them out, and they don't even always eat them. They just... Um, Get them? Get them, yeah, yeah. Well, here's my other thing for that. I mean, I've had issues with blue herons coming into mine. There again, my yard is going to be one giant net because I had yeah. to put, when, when it gets time, when the raccoons and things are about to come, we put a big net, uh, black net. So you don't really see it, but no. it's there to prevent right. all those things from going in the pond. So my 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 uh, yard, like I said, a bunch of yellow ghost nets across to get rid of the Japanese beetle and a big black one to keep the raccoons and herons out. You know, I have to say for people too, this netting, if you've never used netting before, it's so easy because you can buy it. Um, mine came, we had to buy ours online too to get it big enough and to get different sizes. And we got the white, the black brick broke down really fast up yeah, in the garden. Yeah, the stuff I got was yellow, supposed to be ultraviolet resistant right, or something. Right. 
Right, yeah. exactly. And you can just fold it up and put it away. It, yep. it doesn't take a lot of room. You don't have to launder it or anything like that. It's just all set to go again the next year. And you can make your own hoops however you want to do it. Or if you're doing like you are, which is like kind of bagging things with it, mm-hmm. uh, that will work fine too. So it's a great preventative. It's worth every cent you pay for it. And it's it's not that expensive. Yeah, so that's, I mean, one more non-chemical means that we're trying in our air right. gardens to, to prevent all the, the damage. That yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, when I was a kid, my mother always had these really sheer curtains that went in the dining oh, room. Oh, did and she the use that? And when those sheer curtains got dingy and she wasn't using them anymore... They covered things. So I have to give my mom credit for <laughs> and and you mentioned that you've been pinning your your nets together at the base with clothespins. Right. My mom did that. Oh. I, and, you know, and she would cover things like that all the time. And I remember seeing things, and I thought, oh, this is so difficult to get at then, you know, because you'd be out there wanting to, to pick the peas or whatever it was she was trying to protect. Uh, but my, my mom did that. I guess my grandmother did, too. Clothespins have been around a long time. Barb. And those old sheer curtains, and nothing went to waste. Everything was recycled in those days. Thanks, Barb. It's always great to chat with you. We are out of time, unfortunately, so we'll uh, chat with you again next time until till Okay. Next week. Happy gardening. Thanks, Karen. It is four minutes past 10, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio, 89.7 FM in Mankato, and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin, online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato, big ideas and real world thinking. Going to be a hot one today. We're already 75. Today's high, 86 or so, and sunshine. And then it looks like some possible showers, not a whole lot in terms of amount, but later tonight. And then Saturday, sunny and 84. Sunday, maybe some scattered thunderstorms with about a half an inch of rain and 78. And then next week, it looks like we'll be mostly sunny for much of the beginning of the week and in the mid-70s for your temps. Time now for your Minnesota history lesson for this morning. Welcome to MN90, Minnesota history in 90 seconds. The Beatles never made